You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you need batteries for your truck, batteries for your trail cameras, TV remote controls, flashlights, you name it, Interstate Batteries has what you need. They have thousands of retail locations all over the United States. So stop in, talk to a battery specialist, or for more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate you guys listening, uh, especially if you're from Iowa. It's awesome to uh, communicate with other Iowans uh, through this podcast. And I know that a lot of the topics that we cover can be transferred to other states, but uh, definitely an Iowa-specific podcast. I know the principles can transfer, uh, the ideas and thoughts uh, can transfer, especially to states like Illinois, Wisconsin, Missouri, uh, Minnesota, even into Nebraska and uh, some of the Dakotas and Kansas. So uh, it's a Midwestern, you know, it's a Midwestern thing, but uh, Iowa-specific nonetheless. Today we are going to talk about gaining access to private ground. And because Iowa has limited access to private ground, I I believe that the total uh, acres within the state of Iowa is less than 2% public ground or public access to hunting. And that means that uh, if you want to hunt, you have to know somebody. I mean, you can go hunt public. You can go find uh, some of that 2% uh, of public ground that's in Iowa. Or you can go ahead and uh, learn how to knock on doors and communicate with landowners to potential, you know, to potentially get your foot in the door and hunt on some some private ground. Now, this uh, this this episode is just going to be me today, uh, just me talking. I, I got some notes in front of me, so if it comes off boring, I apologize. But this is a, a real. It's going to be a quick. It's going to be bullet points. Um, this is the time of year to do it, though. Uh, the farmers aren't in the fields really. Uh, they're not too terribly busy. I mean, a farmer always has things to do, but it's not planting season. It's not harvest season, uh, and so if you're going to communicate with a landowner. It might as well be right now. And really, any time of year is good, but especially if that landowner has um, livestock or is farming, they're busy. And uh, yeah, so before we get into this episode, uh, I just want to send out a quick reminder to be sure to visit the iowasportsman.com visit their website and check out all the blog articles that the the guys have there Um, really good content also be sure to subscribe to the iowa sportsman magazine you can do that through the website as well and lastly the new iowa atlas is coming out and be sure to look at that now what is the the iowa atlas it is basically a book broken down by county of all the uh, land uh, that you can hunt. It has public ground in it. It has access to waterways. Um, it talks about what uh, what species you'll find in this county, what, uh, what lakes hold uh, the best types of fishing, um, 
good places to hunt turkey and pheasant and deer. So it's just a, a really good thing to keep in your truck. Um, I know there's a lot of digital uh, devices out there, digital apps out there that work great. But it's for me, I use my Iowa Atlas actually every year when I pull up to a property and I, you know, I may check it on my phone first, but I always keep that hard copy in, you know, if my phone dies or whatever, I drive by a piece of property um, or a piece of public ground and I can open it up and, and look at the the maps that are in there and it allows, it allows you to uh, really find good places to hunt on public ground in Iowa. So uh, keep an eye out and go check out the Iowa, um, the Iowa Atlas, the Iowa Sportsman Atlas. Okay, so Iowa specific and even, you know, what we talk about today can transfer over into really any state, but I've become very good over the years at gaining access to private ground. However, over the last five to 10 years, it has, it's starting to become very difficult as more farmers or more landowners are A, hunting themselves, B, leasing or outfitting on their property, or, you know, lastly, already have a handful of hunters on, on their property. So, uh, and for me, I, I've had my experiences on uh, public ground and that's all right. However, I've noticed that I can go hunt public anytime I want, or I can go through somewhat of an uncomfortable situation, knock on someone's door and talk with them and get to know them and ask them if they allow hunting on their property. And for some, it might be a uh, an uncomfortable situation, but I'm telling you, the more you do it, the more comfortable you know, the more comfortable you'll be talking with someone about, um, you know, hunting on their property. And uh, that's what we're going to kind of run through today. And I have some bullet points here that I kind of want to go over. And the first thing is research, right? Let's say you've identified through, uh, you've, you know, you want to go hunt on a certain piece of property, or you're driving down a country road and you see a big buck or some deer crossing the road or turkey or whatever, you know, whatever you're going after. The first thing that I would do, instead of just blindly knocking at someone's door, we have the resources today to find out who owns that land. You can do that through a plat book. You can do that through, let's say, a, um, uh, an app like Onyx, uh, Onyx Maps. You can find out who that landowner is. You can find out how much ground they own. You can find out um, if they own one big piece or you can find out if they own several pieces scattered throughout the area. And what this does, this research is doing, is finding, you know, you're, you're, you're educating yourself on what they have and what ground they have. So that when you go to introduce yourself for the first time, you're educated and you can talk specifically on what piece of property that they own, what piece of property that you want to hunt. And I think what that does is it just shortens a conversation down because as a stranger knocks on their door, they're going to want you to get to the point, right? Uh, some, some people love to bullshit. 
and that's great. But others are probably already doing something else. You're going to knock on their door and then you're, you're now relying on them to educate you when you need to be educated on them before you knock on the door. I mean, uh, for example, uh, one of my main farms or one of the properties that I hunt here in Iowa, um, I drove by, I saw uh, what looked to be a good piece of property. I went to Onyx or, you know, digital maps. Even back then it was just Google Maps or Google Earth. And I looked at the property uh, from a satellite image imagery and I said, hey, this might be a, a place that I want to try to hunt. So I found the landowner's name. I found out how many pieces of property or how many total acres they owned. Um, I did some drive-bys. I, I drove by the house, you know, and without sounding like a stalker, I drove by the house a couple times. Um, the first time I noticed there wasn't any cars in, in, the, in the lot. And I said, you know, I'm going to come back another time. Uh, and then, um, you know, I saw there was a, maybe a time of day that it looked like they were, they were home. And, uh, that is when I, you know, you make the move in to introduce yourself, but I really feel that educating yourself on the, the landowner as much as you can so that when you go and talk to them, you're going to have, you're going to know exactly, you know, you know, most of everything that, they that you need to know about them and uh, it just uh, shortens down the conversation and you get kind of right to the point now when when you have this information and you feel like it's time to go knock on the door you know you can knock on the door or you can call um, some people prefer to call uh, first and ask if they can stop by or do the communication through the phone for me I always feel like I'm a better salesman and this is you're selling yourself basically you're trying to get someone to feel comfortable enough with you that you can go on their property and hunt deer right so they have to feel comfortable with you and I feel like if you do that over the phone you have to be better with your words as opposed to just showing up and they can get a good look at you right um you know they can look, they can, they can shake your hand. You can look at them in the eye. You can have good conversation skills and they're going to feel more comfortable with you at that moment than over the phone where these days people get so many unwanted phone calls. They're probably not even going to answer your, uh, a random call, right? Especially if you're calling from cell phone to cell phone, if you can even find their number these days. So knocking on the doors, and, um, uh, you know, knocking on the doors and is just a, a better, I think in person's much better. Now, uh, another thing I forgot to mention on the research side of things is sometimes a landowner may not even live on their land. There may be a house there that they rent out. So when you go into some of these apps or you go into a service like Iowa uses, uh, certain counties within Iowa use something called beacon.com. And it is, you can find that on your county's um, assessor, uh, the, the uh, county assessor's uh, website. And you can find their digital mapping service through that. And uh, a lot of them use this uh uh, a pro or this website called beacon.com and it allows you to click through the map and find the landowners and whatnot. But with that, there is an address associated with 
um, there's an, uh, an address associated with these land, uh, the lands. Uh, sometime that is actually on the road that the property borders, or sometimes it's not. So I always look to like look at that first, and that will tell me where I need to stop and knock on the door. And sometimes that's in town, whether it's an old farmer that's retired and moved into town, or it is a um, a non-resident landowner or just uh, maybe the land has been transferred to a son or a daughter and they still own it, but they don't live on the property. So that's another good reason to do uh, some research. All right. So now it's time to go do the introduction. There is some people who say, you know, dress really nice, wear a nice, um, nice pair of jeans wear you know clean clothes wear an, uh, uh, maybe, maybe a collared shirt uh, make sure your uh, beard is combed or your hair's properly done uh, one thing I will say don't go into a conversation with a big hunk of tobacco in your mouth or smoking a cigarette or anything like that that might be a little bit of a turnoff however I've done the you know dress nice tucked in shirt you know, making sure my appearance was good. But I've also went and knocked on doors where I looked like I just got out of the field, uh, whether I was working um, or had my muck boots on, had a little mud on my on my work or my um, my work clothes, had a, a work jacket on, stocking cap, baseball cap, whatever. I feel like when I go to that home, especially if it's a farmer or uh, someone who's running livestock, I feel like they look at me when I'm in my work clothes and they say, wait, this, I can relate to this guy because he's dirty. He looks like he's been working. Um, and I can relate to him a little bit more as opposed to someone who's looking real slick coming in and asking to hunt permission, um, whether you live in the area or not. I feel like that is a um, – people just get almost like a salesman. You're too salesman and they don't want a salesman. They just want a regular person, right? That's what they're looking for, even though they may or may not want somebody knocking at their door. If you can – if you look like you're a little bit more relatable to them. Now, for me, I've found more success gaining access to this ground when I'm dressed like I'm working. However, if I'm knocking on a door in a town or in a city, I may not dress. I may not dress like that. But if I'm approaching a farm, I will. So it's um, that's kind of an up to you thing. However, when you do walk up, they're going to see you, and I think it's less about appearance and more about the words that are coming out of your mouth, and to the point where you might even need to practice your speech in front of a mirror a couple of times, if that makes you feel comfortable, if you're, if you're uncomfortable talking to people for the first time, uh, you know, making the first move, it may be difficult for you to, you know, have a conversation with a, a complete stranger. However, if you practice in front of the mirror, you know what you're going to say. Um, you can, you know, you can, you can have, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, it will be a little bit easier for you to have a, a conversation if you practice it. It may, and you know, you obviously don't want it to come out rehearsed. But I think if you practice on what you're going to say, if they if they say one thing, you may know how to react to it. So, 
Um, yeah, so make sure you're talking clear. You're not mumbling. Uh, you, you're not, uh, well, um, sir, I just, um, well, um, uh, that kind of stuff just doesn't fly. You know, I, I, I think that people will say, okay, what are you, what are you getting at? What are you getting at? And then once they start leaning into that negative zone or into what I call the no zone, it's hard to get out of. Right. So you've done your research, you walk up to them. Uh, for me, you know, you can call, introduce yourself, talk to them about what you want. For me, I knock on the door, I shake their hand, I introduce myself. Uh, they get to see my truck, they get to see me, and uh, and then I introduce myself. Hey, my name is Dan Johnson. Uh, I'm from this area, or I live in this area, and uh, you know, I am a I'm a serious bow hunter, and I'm just curious if you allow any hunting of bow hunting on your property. And the reason I say bow hunting is because I want to be as specific as possible about my intentions on their property. And if I say bow hunting, they may look at that different than just hunting. Well, we already have a group of guys who come through during shotgun season, so no, I'm sorry. But they may not have a, a bow hunter on their property. So for me, I knock on the door and I say, hey, my name is Dan Johnson. I live in this town and uh, I'm, you know, I'm a, I love, I love to hunt. And I was just curious if you um, allow any bow hunters on your property. And they may say yes. They may, you know, they, they say, well, uh, we got a guy here and you know, he already, you know, we already got someone hunting on the property. Okay. So some people may look at that as a no, but he hasn't told me no yet. So my next question to him then would be, well, um, how often does he hunt? Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm looking for I'm looking for a place to hunt. Um, there's not very very many uh, places around here, or um, you know, the last piece of property I had sold. You know, I definitely don't want to step on anybody's toes. But um, I see you have 200 acres here, and that's again through research. I know this. Uh, you have X amount of acres here, and uh, you know, if, if it's possible, I could, you know, communicate with the hunter that you already have on the property and, uh, communicate with them on when they may hunt. Now, some people will say, dude, if there's already hunter on the property, well, you shouldn't bother. You shouldn't bother them. Well, you don't know how often they hunt. Uh, one of, one of my main farms that I hunt, there was a, the, the lady told me, uh, we have, you know, we have about five bow hunters on my property well come to find out she had two bow hunters on her property the other i guess three didn't hunt anymore or they maybe come out once or twice uh, a year uh, they got old and they stopped hunting or they moved away and or they just you know came through during shotgun season so you know finding that information out being clear and concise with your message and that allows them to know what your intentions are and then through that through a bit of a rebuttal right if they say no you know uh no i really appreciate you uh knocking on my door and, and asking me but asking me but no we already have hunters there oh absolutely you move on right but if they don't say no there's still an opportunity there for you to get access to uh, to this farm 
Now, you know, going back to what I was saying before I veered off is some people may say, well, if there's already a hunter on that property, you shouldn't even ask. You should just say no and move on. But at the same time, with limited public ground in air, in uh, that, you know, limited public ground in Iowa means that you, you got to, there has to be opportunities on private as well. So I don't have a problem working with another hunter and communicating with them on where they hunt, how they hunt. I'm a mobile hunter anyway. So if they have a specific tree stand location that they like to hunt, you know, I can stay away from it or I can flank their position or whatever, right? Um, it's not their property. It is the landowner's property. And if the landowner says, mm, yeah, I tell you what, yeah, I think, I think if you can communicate with them, I think it would be all right. Now, obviously that guy may not be too happy if you uh, call them up or if you commu- you show up to the farm with them on, on opening day and they're there with you and you say, hey, I just got permission from the landowner uh, that he wants me to communicate with you about when you hunt. And uh, some guys may be open to that. Some guys may be pissed, but you have the same permission that they do. And uh, really, you know, really that's all that matters. Now, there may be other ways to get into let's say a bow hunting deer or a a shotgun uh shotgun hunting for deer scenario through other methods of um getting access to a farm for me uh, on my best farm it took me a year of shed hunting and two years of turkey hunting before the landowner you know found that I was a good person, um, realized that I was, was not damaging her property. And that was through shed hunting and turkey hunting, right? Two things that are probably a little bit less desirable on a piece of property than uh, deer hunting. So the first year was, Hey, uh, knock on their door. Do you, uh, I'm just out of curiosity. Do you allow shed hunting on your property? Well, I think I got a guy who comes through, uh, once a year to do that. Um, do you mind if I walk through? Mm, no, that's fine. Go ahead. So I, I go shed hunting on her property, find some cool sheds. Um, you know, thank on my way out of the farm, stop back at the house. Hey, look what I found. Just want to say thank you for letting me do that. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Thanks. Um, come back, uh, you know, two weeks later, knock on the door. Hey, um, turkey season's coming up. Do you happen to have any buddy turkey hunting your property yeah i got a i got a uh i got a guy who they come through on second season every year and um they they turkey hunt during second season okay uh, do you mind if i turkey hunt first or third or fourth season mm, well as long as you don't interrupt them then i don't think that that should be a problem by this time you're you're creating a relationship with them they've they know that you respect them they they know that you're not just tromping on their on their ground and now what you've done is you're proving yourself to them through other activities to ultimately get what you want which is to bow hunt or or you know hunt deer now if you're a turkey hunter right you might want to try shed hunting first or you may want to try um, mushroom hunting, which I, f- I have found that uh, mushroom asking to mushroom hunt on a property, I get more nose than actually deer hunting. 
which is uh, which is, is funny to me that people are more secretive and closed-lipped about mushroom hunting spots than they are about um, turkey and deer hunting, which is, like I said, it's kind of funny. So you're, you're building this relationship with them and they are now starting to get to know you. And if you're a good person, well, that's great. And over this time, over time, you're, you're proving yourself to them. And then when you do go in for quote unquote, you're going in for the kill, you know, you're, you're pitching what you ultimately want, which is, Hey, you know, I really love your property. It's absolutely awesome out here. I noticed that you have a lot of deer and, you know, I know that there's other guys who bow hunt here. Would you care if I don't step on their, you know, toes at all, if I could come out here and uh, hunt, uh, bow hunt as well? You know, yeah, I really like having you out here because you keep an eye on my property, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think that should be an issue. And there you go. Now you have what you want. And then the only thing left to do from there is keep that property. And you do that through continuously communicating with them. Every time you see them out, you talk to them. If they have, um, you know, you, you, uh, you walk you walk out, you know, to them and you, you just chat with them. Uh, one of the farmers that I hunt on their property, they just love to bullshit. And sometimes, you know, I'll go out and try to check some trail cameras. Well, if I get caught up with them and I know that it's going to be 30 minutes to an hour of just chit chatting before I can go do what I want. So, but, but that again, just continues to build that relationship with the landowner and now what you have is a great relationship, right? You can communicate with them. You, you start talking about your kids. You start talking about other things. And, and now you're just being friends with them, right? The second thing is, is I mean, just backstepping just a bit. What happens if you, you get your access and then you stop all communications? It just looks like you're using them, which in a way you are. You're using them. But... There's other, there, I feel like it's the, the hunter's responsibility to help out as well, especially if it's an active farm or if it's like a, a single, a widowed um, man or a widowed woman that, uh, that may be living out there or somebody needs your help or they live in town and they don't always make it out to the farm. That's when some of these other tasks uh, can come in. And you're you're in constant communication with them whenever you're out there. You say, "Hey, I'm I'm going to check my trail cameras. How's everything going? Or I'm uh, I'm going to go set up tree stands, or I'm going to go take down tree stands, or I'm going out to hunt. Is there anything you need me to keep an eye out? Oh, hey, I noticed that the cattle got out of out of this gate, or this gate was open. Do you want me to shut it? Uh, just things like that. And then they then you're basically helping out and helping out, right? is a huge thing. It's huge. I mean, throughout my years, I've fixed fence. I've fixed gates. I've installed satellite dishes on houses. I've pulled tractors out of the mud. I've um, helped um, lay a, a silo foundation. I've you know, picked uh, chainsawed branches. I've uh, driven fence posts. I've um, done a lot of activities on this farm to help these people out. And even if it's something that, you know, I, I went into the farm one day 
and I had planned, it was a mid-October hunt, you know, nothing really high success, but I planned on hunting this really good spot, but she was out there struggling with moving, um, man, it's like this old wagon. And I said, Hey, uh, you need some help? Well, it eventually took us like an hour and a half to get this thing to work properly or whatever we were trying to do with it. And I missed my, my hunting window. And she says to me, Hey, if you want to go hunt, that's fine. And I said, no, I'm here. I'm going to help you get this out. And I could see that she really appreciated that. So if you go the extra mile and help these people out, they are going to then at some point, like they, they just love that. And they, they're going to love you for that. And then they're going to be happy that you're on their property right? Not just to hunt, but to help out as well. So you have to earn it, right? And that is through uh, keeping an open relationship with them, communicating with them, and then giving back to them in some way, shape, or form. Uh, every deer I take off of this property, I uh, one of my properties, I give them some ground burger. I give them some salami. Um, she likes to make deer chili. So uh, uh, I give her um, one year when I was able to afford it, I gave her a hundred dollar gift certificate to a local farm store where she buys some of her supplies and, uh, you know, just gave back in, in those ways as well. And they appreciate that. And I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm, I know I'm on her good side. And with that, uh, with that good side comes all the benefits of hunting a really good farm. And, I know it's work and sometimes I have to sacrifice my own hunting, but it's worth it in the long run, you know? So when I can go out on this farm during the rut and, uh, you know, hunt really good deer every year. So the next thing I kind of want to talk to, to you about is the reactions of some of these farmers or some of these, uh, landowners. And I, I always say farmers because that is who I'm, typically talking to the most most of the time are landowners who are also farmers and when they say hey man we already got someone on here uh we already we we have somebody on the property uh who, who bow hunts or who shotgun hunts or turkey hunts and you know or i have family that hunts and we, me and my kids hunt there's not really a rebuttal that i i usually give for that other than you know if, is there something else that I can do, right? And if they say yes right off the bat, that's great. But there's always, I feel like not necessarily always a rebuttal because you definitely don't want to piss them off. But, you know, if they tell you no and you say, well, is there anything else that uh, I could do to, you know, make you change your answer? I don't think that's necessarily pushing the envelope too far. Um, because sometimes they may say, you know what, if you're willing to help out on the farm, you know, you give me a, a couple weekends throughout the summer, or you give me a, uh, a couple days during harvest, hell yeah, you can hunt my property. That might be your in right there. As opposed to just saying, uh, okay, bye. And then, you know, you're done. And a lot of people are afraid to hear the word no, but once you hear no so many times, it become it's it's just, it's it becomes okay to hear no. So what you have to do is learn from every no that you hear on how to uh, communicate in a better way with these landowners to hopefully sometimes 
get a yes. I mean, obviously you have to respect their decision and not, you know, I, I've, I hear, I've heard stories before about um, landowners telling me, hey, some guy knocked on my door, asked him to hunt. And when I told him no, he got mad at me. <laughs> and I, I, it blew my mind that that, that, that actually happened. But um, needless to say, that guy did not get the, you know, didn't get the yes from the landowner. But when it comes to rebuttals, um, if the farmer themselves or their family or their kids hunt, I typically don't, um, you know, other than, hey, you know, what seasons do they hunt? You know, because you're, you're trying to get information. Uh, do they bow hunt? Well, I got a guy out here that bow hunts. Or uh, do they shotgun hunt? Well, we save the farm for shotgun season because it's a big family tradition. Hey, absolutely. Uh, does anybody shed hunt your farm? Uh, no. Uh, how do you feel about shed hunting? Okay, foot in the door. You know what I mean? And th- then the next year, if you prove yourself, you might get to bow hunt it or you might get to turkey hunt it. Or if they say, listen, man, I already got five guys out here uh, every year, you know, as much as I would like to say yes, even if your, you know, even if your presentation was great at, during the introduction, I got five guys out of here. Okay, I tell you what, if any of them leave, I would love to get the opportunity to prove myself or to talk, you know, talk further about that is, you know, here's my number exchange contact information. Hey, if I, uh, if I ever see you outside, maybe I'll stop by and say, hi. Yeah, absolutely. Do that. I can remember on one farm that I used to hunt before it was sold. It took me four years of knocking on the farmer's door. And this, this was some, at, at the time it was some really good ground knocked on this guy's door year one. Hey, uh, I'm looking to do, you know, I'm looking to bow hunt a property i gave him the spiel nope already got a guy doing it uh, what about shed hunting or turkey hunting nope already got a guy doing it all right man next year uh i stopped by again and uh if i ever saw him out in his farm i'd honk and wave and he'd wave back hey you got anybody who uh you know i'm just stopping by again to see if anything opened up on your farm nope nothing's opened up we still got the same guys doing all of it yep absolutely no problem bs for a little bit then on the third year i knock on the or i knock on his door or he was on his tractor or something he shuts the tractor off and he goes it's you again he he, and then he before i could even say anything he goes you know what my answer is right and I said, yeah but i just thought i'd come and see how you're doing right and then you start to you're, you're building a relationship with them, even though they, they're telling you no. And he got a good laugh out of it. And, uh, um, you know, I said something about like, uh, I haven't heard no in a while. So I figured I'd come and talk to you, you know, break me, break me down back to, I was getting a big head and, and he laughed at that. And, um, you know, and then we talked for 30 minutes to 45 minutes, just talked. We didn't even talk about hunting. I noticed he had a wrestling poster, um, uh, Iowa Hawkeye wrestling poster in his garage. And we talked about uh, collegiate wrestling for a little bit. He told me, no, I, I don't even know if I brought it up. I said, hey, man, well, I got to go have a good one. Then on year four, I stopped by again and he had a smile on his face when we when I walked in the door and I uh, must have caught him at a good day. We talked a little bit about uh, college wrestling. That's what we let off with. And I said to him, hey, man, um, 
you know, I know I've, I've been here four years in a row and I know I keep asking you and bothering you every year. He's like, no, man, don't worry about it. I, you know, family, I got my family who does the shotgun hunting on it. And I just don't want to, you know, rub any, anybody the wrong way. I don't want to piss anybody off. And I said, listen, I'm, I, I completely understand. He goes, but you're a bow hunter, right? I said, yeah, all I care about is bow hunting. All right, man. Well, I tell you what, if you, you know, I got my brother-in-law who hunts this uh, every once in a while, Bo hunts this. As long as you don't piss him off, I'm okay. I'm okay with you coming out and bow hunting. Bingo. I created this relationship. I didn't give up and I got access to the farm. It took me four years to do, but I got access to the farm and it, it turned out to be a, a really good farm. I, I met his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law um, was hesitant at first, but every time I communicated with him, he he kind of told me where his stand locations were. I, you know, like I said, I'm mobile, so I stayed out of his area. Uh, if his truck was there, I'd go somewhere else. If his truck wasn't there, I'd you know go into some of the better spots. But what I did was I created a, a really good relationship with him as well, and then you know eventually that property sold, but. It's an example of creating relationships that allow you to get access to to ground, and in in the and I have a little note here. It just says know your landowner, and that's a perfect example of starting a conversation with him about collegiate wrestling was something that he really enjoyed, but at the same time. I wasn't just asking about hunting every single time I would, I talked with him. It was about something different. Same guy loved drinking bush light. So, uh, when I did get access to his farm, I bought him a case of beer and he appreciated that. And, you know, I don't see him anymore because he sold the property and I think he moved to a different town, but that's just a a really good example of starting a relationship with, uh, a landowner and then being told multiple times no but working you know eventually getting told yes I mean sometimes you got to be patient with this sometimes it may take one or two uh, conversations in that first year if they look busy say hey I know you're busy um, I'll come back you care if I come back another time yeah I'll come back another time and we can talk about it all right sounds good or you know it, you know you knock on their door four or five times and no one's home just keep at it. You keep you keep working. And it's not to take advantage of them because I think just as much as some landowners don't want people on their property, there is there are other landowners who appreciate it that somebody is respecting and taking care of their property that's them. And if, if you do a good job at that, you, you know, like don't make ruts in their, their driveway or don't knock over fences or, or don't do anything stupid is what I'm getting at. They're going to, they're going to see that they're going to see that you respect their land just as much as they do. And then they're more apt to let you use their property. So, and continue to use that property. So that's just been me talking for a very long time. I'm sure there's other bullet points that I missed here. Um, there's other, there's other, uh, you know, ways of doing the same thing, but that's just how I approach, um, getting access to private ground. I would love to hear what you guys have to say. So, um, go once this is posted, I want you to go to the Iowa sportsman Facebook page and comment on the, um, go ahead and make a comment on the, 
uh, on the Facebook uh, post that's highlighting this particular podcast and let us know how you approach hunting private ground that you may not lease or own so or getting access to public ground or uh, private ground that you don't lease or own and uh, I I love hearing new methods and talking you know having a, a good conversation about it so thank you very much for listening to one man talk for a very long time today I really appreciate it huge shout out to uh, the Iowa Sportsman uh, whole crew for letting us put this together and uh, hopefully it's that time of year to start building these relationships to get your foot in the door through maybe shed hunting or turkey hunting and ultimately get to what you really want and maybe deer hunting or heck whatever your passion is or fishing like fishing in a pond or whatever it is so uh, thanks for tuning in and we'll definitely talk to you guys next week